Good morning, Bridge. How are we doing this morning? Now, that was weak. How are we doing this morning? All right. It is so good to see you. Those that are watching online, we're so glad you're with us. For those of you that don't know, I'm Jim Wall, a longtime friend of Pastor Farrell's. He and I go back 30, none of your business years. And uh, <coughs> uh, what a great friend uh, he has been through the years, and it's a joy to be here with you today. He sends greetings to you and love to you and just huge appreciation for the outpouring of support that you've given him through emails and texts and Facebook messages and that sort of thing. And he's doing well. He still feels weak. He says he will be back here next weekend to preach and all of the services. And so you'll see him soon. And I know that God is going to bless he and Millie in the days ahead. And I'm excited for the future of the bridge. Those of you that don't know, Kim and I have been pastoring in Chesapeake, Virginia for the last 25 years. We now lead the Acts 2 network. And it came to our, uh, our attention, I believe by the Lord some time ago, that we can lead the network from most, most anywhere that we can get to the internet. So why don't we move home? And so we're in the process of moving back to Wayne County and the bridge will be our home church and we'll be based right here in the bridge during 2015. <clears throat> so I'm not a guest speaker today, I'm home, okay? So good to see you guys. We're kicking off a new series today. We're calling Church Fibs. And what Pastor Farrell is going to be talking about over the next several weeks is some of the little white lies, the fibs, the, the things that we say that sometimes we think are true, but in fact are, are flawed, deeply flawed. And in fact, sometimes we're told them by pastors themselves. Today, we kick off the series with the fib, follow your heart. Look at somebody and just say that. Follow your heart. Doesn't that sound so compassionate? Doesn't that sound so spiritual? I have a deeply theological expression for that. It goes like this. You see, there's a real problem with that idea of following your heart, and that is simply this. That Well, let me just say it this way. If you're a committed Christian, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, odds are if you follow your heart about 80% of the time, it'll work out for you. About 80% of the time, you'll get a sense of, wow, yeah, I think maybe God uh, is doing this, and you'll say, I'm going to go for it, and it'll actually work out pretty well. But just imagine that Pastor Farrell and Millie got up here next Sunday and said, you know, we just appreciate you guys. It's been a tough year for us, and we've been in and out a lot because it's been a tough year, and so we just want to say thank you for who you are as a church family. So we have bought plane tickets for everybody that comes to church in the first weekend in November to go to Bermuda. Everybody that wants to go, it's a free trip. How many do you think will be in church on the first Sunday in November. We'd be packing the house out in November, right? And so first of November comes and Pharaoh gets up and says, okay, the ushers are coming. They're going to pass out the tickets and they're absolutely free to all of you. There is one thing that I probably should make you aware of. 80% of the planes make it. About 20% of them get lost in the Bermuda Triangle. Everybody wants a ticket, raise your hand now. Suddenly, it doesn't feel quite so warm and fuzzy, does it? Doesn't sound like a good deal. Now, let me bring this home to reality because here's what I've seen after 40 none of your business years of pastoring. I've had far too many people sitting in my office over these years that have said to me, you know, I was married to a guy, I was married to a gal. <sighs> you know, they, they were fine. There was nothing wrong. They, you know, they, they, they worked. They brought home their paycheck. They... 
it was just kind of blah. And then I met this guy at work, and he made me laugh, and he gave me compliments, and that lug at home never gave me any compliments, and he, and he bought me nice things, and that lug at home, all he ever did was go to work and watch games. And, and before you know it, I just found my heart shifting, and everything in my heart said, it's a, this is a good idea. I think I'm just going to leave that guy and go with this guy, and I'm going to leave this gal and go with this gal. And now it's two years later, and I woke up, and I realized that I have left an 80-percenter for a 20-percenter. I left a guy who was meeting 80% of my relational needs for the guy that was meeting 20% of my relational needs, and now I'm finally realizing that God never intended for a human being to meet all of my relational needs. There's a God-shaped void that only He can fill. And now help me to get my life back together. You can follow your heart if you like, but I gotta be honest with you, about 20% of the time, you might find yourself in deep trouble. You might just find yourself in a real problem. So here's what I wanna do with the time that we have this morning. I wanna walk through a way that you can uh, evaluate your heart, test your heart, find out if in fact you can trust what your heart is leading you toward. First of all, let me make sure you understand that there are three primary sources for the ideas that come into our lives and uh, and make us, you know, think maybe I ought to do this. Three primary sources. Some ideas come from yourself. Somebody say yourself. Now let me let you in on a little secret for those of you that don't know me well. I'm one of those guys that if I don't get feedback, I, I figure you, you're not tracking with me, so I explain it some more, which means we'll still be here when second service arrives. So you got to work with me, okay? Somebody say yourself. I knew you could do it. I knew you were there. I knew you could do it, okay? Now, I'm one of those idea guys. I'm one of those guys that's just ideas popping out of my head all of the time. Sometimes I can't even turn my brain off at night when I'm trying to go to sleep. Anybody with me? God bless that hand. I see that hand. You just can't turn it off. And sometimes I get so excited about the ideas that I have that I just settle in my heart. This must be God. This has got to be right. Now, here's the problem. Sometimes my ideas are just short of genius. <laughs> and sometimes they're dumb as dirt. <laughs> And sometimes I can't tell the difference. Here's what the Bible says, Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Proverbs 14, 12 says there is a way that, what's the word? Seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. So no matter what my heart says, if the idea came from me, I say, you know, it might not be trustworthy. I better test it. Second source of ideas is from God Himself. A few weeks ago, I led a study with a group of 45 pastors in the Guatemalan rainforest. I was in Chesapeake, Virginia at the time, logged onto the internet. They took an iPhone, turned on the hot spot plugged an iPad into a projector and sound system, and I did a Bible study and a Q&A session with 45 pastors in the middle of the rainforest. What a world we're living in. But if you think that's something, God is always speaking all the time to everybody. Just as this room right now has TV waves and radio waves and Wi-Fi signals going throughout this room all the time, God is speaking to you right now. The only question is whether you're listening to what He's got to say. Job chapter 33, verse 14. For God does speak, now one way, now another, though a man may not 
perceive it. Hear me. When God speaks, when God speaks, you want to hear what He's got to say because that is trustworthy. There's a third source, though, and this creates the problem. Some ideas come from Satan himself. These ideas, in case you're wondering, are deadly. Jesus said, I came to give life and that life in all its fullness. Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy that life. Everything he says to you is a lie. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren, the father of lies. You can be sure that any idea that Satan ever whispers in your ear, it is a lie, and his agenda is to destroy your joy. It's to take away any good thing that's going on in your life. And so you've got to be careful about anything that comes from Satan. Now, here's the problem, he's actually a really good liar. Is it true? He's really good at it. He's been practicing for a long time, and he's really good at it. In fact, Paul uh, warned us in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, Satan himself masquerades as what? An angel of light. I mean, sometimes you go, boy, this, that had to be God. It was a spiritual experience. I mean, I saw an angel and I saw light and everything, and their head glowed, and that's got to be God, right? Maybe. But then again, maybe not. So, if following our hearts is risky at best, maybe 80-20, if listening to the father of lies is deadly, but we need to hear from God. Can I get an amen in the house? Because we make decisions every day, day after day, day after day, that impact our lives in ways that we don't even know until we look back on them. Is that true? And we make decisions that in the moment we think are no big deal. It's no big deal. This is just a little thing, but there's no such thing as a little thing because a decision is not an event. A decision is a path. Every choice puts you on a journey that has a destination in it. And so every time you make a decision, you are setting yourself on a path. You get on I-95 and head north, you're not going to Florida. I don't care how bad you want to go to Florida. You ain't going to Florida until you turn around and go the other way. Am I making sense? So what we've got to do is figure out how to test these things. We need to take John's warning very seriously. 1 John 4, 1, the Living Bible paraphrases it this way. Don't always believe everything you hear just because somebody says it's a message from God. Can I get an amen in the house? Test it first to see if it really is from God. Now, here's, the, here's, here's, where, here's where it gets tough. How do you do that? When you're not sure if the idea that you have is from you or not, or from God or not, or Satan's whispering a lie in your ear, how do you evaluate that? Do you go to somebody and say, you know, I just don't know what to do, and they say to you, oh, follow your heart. <laughs> okay, great, that's what I'll do. Boy, that's good advice, I think I will. Does that work for you guys? I found out a very long time ago that not only were the decisions I'm making affecting my life, but they were affecting my wife's life. They were affecting my son's life. And because I've been a leader in the church for many years, it was affecting the lives of the people that looked to me for leadership. And even people that I didn't even know who looked to me for influence, it was affecting them. There was a ripple effect from my life for every decision I ever made, and therefore I needed to be careful, not just for my sake, but for the sake of the hundreds, thousands, who knows, untold thousands of people that I never met before who were being impacted by my decisions. I'm not the only one in the house who needs to think this way, by the way. 
I better find a way to evaluate these things. So many years ago, probably 20 years ago, I began to research it, I began to dig into the Scriptures, and I came up with an assessment tool that I lovingly called, did I just hear from God or did I eat too much pizza last night? Most people that I know that have used it through the years prefer to call it the seven filters because that's what it is. It is seven filters that will help you to evaluate whether or not this idea might in fact have come from God. And that's what I want to give you. In the few minutes I've got with you today, I just want to kind of walk through the seven filters. I want you to get an idea in your head that maybe you're processing through right now and you're trying to decide, is this, it's in my heart, I kind of like the idea, but is this from God? Is it from Satan who's trying to trick me? Is it just an idea that I've picked up along the way? How do I know whether this idea is from God? You may want to jot these seven filters down. Many of you, because it kind of blew up on Facebook since Thursday night, Many of you have been to my Facebook page. I've listed them there. If you're not already, go to Jim Wall and Facebook. I'll accept your friend request. Be glad for you to have these seven filters. In fact, I would encourage you to get them and use them. Thousands of people around the world are using them today. Now, let me say one more thing before I share the seven filters with you, okay? This is not a um, best out of seven kind of deal. This is not a if your idea passes five of the seven filters it's probably God. This is not a, if it passes six out of. This is if it doesn't pass through all seven filters, it ain't from God. Okay? If it doesn't pass through all seven filters, it ain't from God. Can we practice saying that together? One, two, three. It ain't from God. You can do better than that. It ain't from God. In fact, as we walk through these filters, we're going to apply them. And when we do, here's what I want you to do. When I cut my hand over my ears, you're going to say, it ain't from God. We're going to evaluate today whatever ideas may be going through your mind and make a decision whether or not we're actually hearing from God. Did I just hear from God or did I eat too much pizza last night? Filter number one, are you ready? Did I milk it long enough? If I drug it out long enough? Here we go. Does it agree with the Bible? Does it agree with God's Word? Hear me. God will never speak to you a word that contradicts the word that he's already written down. That's not who he is. And there's never a point at which that's going to change. I don't care what current culture says. I don't care what PC says. I don't care what the media tells you. I don't care what kind of pressure you're under uh, in, in the community or out there in the world or in the workplace or in school or wherever you are to say that's old-fashioned, that's old news, that doesn't count anymore. Jesus said it clearly, Luke chapter 21, verse 33, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. In fact, Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament and started most of the New Testament churches, told the church at Galatia, but if I preach anything other than the Word of God, then call me condemned. If I, the guy who led you to Christ, tells you anything other, or if an angel from heaven shows up and tells you anything other than this eternal message, then call us eternally condemned. He says, if anything I say contradicts the Word of God, don't buy it, because it isn't true. I don't know if you know this or have thought about it, but you do know that's where 
An awful lot of cults get started. Somebody comes along and says, an angel told me some stuff that's in addition to what's in the Bible. Anytime you hear that, run away! <laughs> Call them eternally condemned. You with me? So let's apply the, the filter, okay? Let's just do a couple of examples and let's apply the filter. The Bible says very clearly, and there's an awful lot of things in Scripture that have left open for your own conviction, but there's some things that are absolutely clear. Here's one of them. Abstain from fornication. What's fornication? It's any sexual activity out of the bonds of holy matrimony. That's what it is. So if you think, well, you know, the times have changed. Sex outside of marriage is no big deal anymore. Everybody's doing it. Well, you guys kind of did it, but you guys are kind of weak over there. I don't know what that says about, I'm not going there. <laughs> Come on. It ain't from God. Here's another one. Uh, first, first Timothy says, if a man won't provide for his own, he is worse than an infidel. He's denied the faith. So family has priority, and providing for family has priority. So if you're at work and it's a hard job and things aren't working out very well for you and you're frustrated and everything in you says, I want you to uh, take this job Johnny Paycheck style and uh, I am out of here, you know, I can't do this anymore. Okay, the family's going to starve, but I'm just going to play golf every day from now on. It ain't from God. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what your heart says. It ain't from God. You're getting the feeling. You're getting to understand what I'm saying. The problem is some of us don't really know what the Bible says. We haven't read the book. We're waiting for the movie to come out. Well, the movie came out last year on History Channel, and we still didn't watch it. We just, you know. Here's the problem, guys. Most of the decisions that we make that have huge implications on our lives are made like that. I mean, they're made in the moment. There's no sit and ponder, go ask somebody some questions. You've got to have the Word of God in your life, in your spirit, in your heart. Now, the Scriptures are clear. The Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance those things that you have learned, but you can't remember them until you have membered them. <laughs> So you got to be in church. you got to be in life group. you got to take classes like, I was broke, but now I'm not. you got to get into the Word and find out what the Word says so that when you're in the position to make a decision in the moment and everything in your heart says, this sounds good to me, you can check it against this filter to make sure that Satan is not whispering in your ear, death. You ready for filter number two? I don't have time, that much time for all seven of the filters, but I want to make sure you got that one. Even though it's an all or nothing kind of deal, that one is huge. Filler number two, does it make me more like Christ? Does it make me more like Christ? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, we take captive every thought to make it, what does it say? Obedient to Christ. Christ is the standard by which every idea is measured. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 9 says, all things work together into a pattern for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose, that we be conformed to the likeness of His Son. No matter what you do or where you do it, no matter what your career is, whatever your ministry is, God's highest purpose for your life is that you be like His Son, Jesus Christ. Anybody arrived yet? Anybody just like Jesus yet? Well, thank you for that. Uh, 
That means we all got room to grow. That means when an idea comes, one of the first questions that we ask, the first question is, does it contradict anything that's in the Bible? The second question is, will this move me closer to or further away from being like Christ? Does that make sense? I mean, it's really simple, and yet it is so profound. So, let's apply the filter. You good, James, the half-brother of Jesus, uh, who knew him well, knew him better than any of us, I suppose, listed some of the character traits that come straight out of heaven. James chapter 3, verse 14 through 17, here's what he said, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is of the devil. The wisdom that comes from God is, what's the list? You see the list? Pure, uh, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, impartial, sincere. You tracking with all of that? So, so, so how do we apply this thing? If your heart says it's okay to carry a grudge, it ain't from God. If your heart says it's okay to be envious of somebody else, if your heart says it's okay to be selfish just this time, you see what I'm saying? It's really simple, but it is huge when we stop and think about the decisions that we're about to make that are in our hearts. James goes on to say the wisdom that is from God is pure. So if you have an impure thought, it ain't from God. If it, he says it's peace-loving. That means that it adds harmony and builds relationship. If the idea you have is going to destroy a relationship and tear people down, it ain't from God. It's considerate. So if your idea doesn't, you don't care what anybody else says or thinks or does, you just don't, you're not going to consider them at all. It ain't from God. You tracking with me? It's submissive. I don't care. The rules don't apply to me. I do whatever I want to do. It ain't from God, guys. This is really simple stuff. And yet it's so easy for we who walk in the, in, uh, uh, in the faith and come to church every week and just, and, but get so overwhelmed by the messages of the world that we stop to look at this foundational kind of stuff. The wisdom from God is full of mercy and it's impartial. There's no room for prejudice in the body of Christ. I thought I'd get a stronger amen than that from this house. There's just no room for it. So if you get an idea and it's a prejudicial, a prejudging somebody based on, on superficial stuff or outside stuff, that idea ain't from God. If you feel like playing favorites, that idea ain't from God. It's sincere, he says. So you get an idea to be phony, to, to fake it till you make it? You, you, are you tracking with me, guys? If you want to avoid the trap of follow your heart before you commit, ask, does it align with the Scriptures? Does it make me more like Christ? Number three, does my church family confirm it? Does my church family confirm it? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 says it this way, God's intent is that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. That says to me that God speaks to the church through the church. Now, don't jump to a conclusion. I'm not saying that you can't hear from God on your own. 
Christianity is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about hearing his voice. It's about following his plan for your life. It's about accomplishing his purpose for your life. It's about finding fulfillment in that personal relationship with him. It is hearing his voice. But I am saying a couple of things out of that passage of Scripture and in this filter. First of all, God often speaks through the context of his church. Is that true? Is that true? I got to be honest with you. Most of the major decisions that I've made in my, in my life over the years, the decision for my family and I to move across the world to the Philippines where we served as missionaries for nine years, I made that decision sitting in church. We're in her missionary talking about a need and God began to speak to my heart and I stopped listening to the sermon and started fighting with God. So you don't want me in the Philippines. What are you talking about? I, you know, I got this and I'm doing that and I'm already serving you and I'm, I'm sitting here fighting with God while I'm in church and I'm thinking, where would I be today if I hadn't gone to church that Sunday. Are you tracking with me? You see, quite often we're sitting in church, we're listening to a, a sermon, we're listening to a song, we're singing a song, we're having a conversation with somebody uh, in the lobby, we're in a life group and we're talking about the Word and we're applying it to our lives. We're in those kinds of conversations and it's out of those conversations that God speaks into our spirits. God often speaks to us in the context of church relationships, the family of God relationships. The second thing I want you to understand is that we need to check what we've heard from God with fellow believers before we move forward. That's what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Let me put this succinctly in the interest of time. If you get an idea and you think it is from God and everything in you resists sharing it with your fellow trusted believers, it ain't from God. Who do you think wants to stop you from sharing it with the body of Christ? The one who's planted this lie in your spirit. Because he knows that if you expose it to the body of Christ, somebody might say, whoa, wait a minute. Oh, what? No, wait, have you thought about where that's going to lead? Somebody might say, whoa, wait, take time out, man. Right, let's talk through this thing before you start moving forward. Somebody might warn you. And let's just be honest. We all need somebody who loves us enough to look us in the eye every now and then and say, man, I think you're blowing it this time. Am I the only one that needs somebody like that? We need those people in our lives. So before you move forward, make sure that it does not contradict Scripture. Make sure that it moves you closer to being like Christ, not further away. And then ask yourself, is there anybody in the body of Christ, is there any trusted leader in the body of Christ who says, yeah, that resonates with my spirit too. I can walk in agreement with you because Jesus said, where two or three agree as touching anything, it's done because I'm there. And trust me, if you move forward on an idea, you want Jesus there. Which leads me to the fourth filter. Is it consistent with God's purpose for my life? Is this idea consistent with God's purpose for my life. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared when? In the moment, spontaneously, makes it up as you go along. Is that what it says? What does it say? Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Even before you were born, Psalm 139 says, God was shaping you in your mother's womb to fulfill His purposes for your life. 
Psalm 139 says all the days of your life were ordained before God. That doesn't mean you have no freedom of choice. Of course you have freedom of choice. You just don't have freedom from the consequences of your choices. And if you choose to do something that's not in line with God's purposes for your life, then I guess you'll go through some hard times and you'll learn some hard lessons. But if you say, you know what, I want to find God's purpose for my life, and I'm going to make choices that, that move me closer and ever closer to uh, fulfilling God's purpose for my life, then, then God is probably at the heart of it because that brings life. And so you discover your gifts, and you discover your talents, and you discover your passions. And you work hard to figure out what God has put you on this planet to do, and then you do that, and you filter out all of the other ideas. So you come to church one Sunday morning, and somebody sings a, a special like the choir did today, and you sit there thinking, man, that's just beautiful. I would love to be up there doing that. I'd love to be the one doing the lead out there. And she got an amazing voice. I'd love to be that person out there on the microphone singing that. And, and, and boy, that's just, you know, oh boy, that would just fill my heart up so much if I could be that person. And so next week you sign up for music ministries and Pastor Jared is really happy. Unless, of course, you're tone deaf. <laughs> And if you can't carry a tune in a lead bucket, chances are you're going to be frustrated and Jared's going to pull what Harry's got left out. <laughs> I just made an enemy, didn't I? If you get the impression that you want to start working with teenagers, you see what's going on among teenagers and you see the need and you say, you know what, I, I want to start working in student ministries in my church, but you hate contemporary music? and you have no tolerance for the unbridled enthusiasm of 15-year-olds, you're probably not going to be content. And Pastor Josh is going to have to have a hard conversation to say, I don't think this is working out. You yelling at the kids is not helping. You with me? So if you get an idea that's not consistent with how God purposed your life, it ain't from God. Billy Graham, who made the most admired man in America list for as long as they've kept the list, uh, was friend to presidents decade after decade after decade. One of them actually offered him a cabinet post one time, and his response is famous. He said, thank you, Mr. President, for that incredible honor, but God made me to be an evangelist. That's who I am. That's what I do. And the result is, Mr. Graham has preached to a billion, with a B, people the good news of Jesus Christ. Simply put, if I ever get an impression to do something that's contrary to God's purpose for my life, it ain't from God. Filter number five, is it convicting rather than condemning. Is it convicting rather than condemning? Now, this is huge because one of the things that, that we have to deal with is feelings that we're not good enough, that we're not as good as other people, that, that we're never going to measure up, that other people have got their act together and I don't have my act together. And before you know it, you fall into the trap of what's been called condemnation thinking. You're a Christian. You've given your life to Jesus Christ. You see blessing in your life, but something in you says, oh, you know, it's just, I'm a worm. I'm no good. 
Every party needs a pooper, that's why they invited me. Party pooper. You never, you never got into that, right? It is so easy in our hearts to start thinking some of those ideas, and you need to understand that conviction is real and from God. Condemnation is real, but it ain't from God if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Here's what the Bible says. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In other words, if you think you're perfect, think again. <laughs> Everybody else knows you're not. Maybe it's time you figured out, okay? That's what he's saying. I mean, ask your wife. She'll tell you. If we confess, don't go there, Jim, don't go there. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You know what that says? Is if, you, if you're feeling less than, if you're feeling insecure, if you're feeling guilty, if you're feeling beat up, maybe you should. Because maybe you did something. Maybe you messed up. Maybe you did something you shouldn't have done, or maybe you failed to do something you should have done, and maybe it's God turning on the burglar alarm of guilt that says, you can't just move forward and so nothing happens. You need to deal with this. Maybe it's God. And if it's God, it's conviction, and there's always a solution. And the solution is what? What did it say? Confess it. That word confess is, is the Greek word homo logeo that means to say the same thing about it that God says about it. So if I messed up, I was, I was mean to my wife this morning, and God whispers in my spirit, that's not acceptable behavior for you. I can ignore that. I can pretend it didn't happen. I can justify it. Well, she wasn't being particularly nice to me. Maybe it's okay. It's not okay, guys. You have to say the same thing that God says about it. And, 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 and for us, husbands, God says, husbands, be considerate of your wives, lest your prayers be hindered. Our prayers are hindered if we're inconsiderate of our wives. That's what he says. And so how do you deal with that? You confess it. You say, God, I messed up. I, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said it the way I said it. I shouldn't have done that. I am sorry. And guess what he does? He beats us up, whips us up, holds us down, stops us from moving forward. Is that what it says? What, what does he do? He forgives. Just as if it never happened, and you get a fresh start. You may have to go to your wife, too, and say, by the way, me and God had a conversation, and, and he's kind of fixed it on my end. Now I need to say to you, I'm really sorry about the way I spoke this morning. You tracking with me? So sometimes it's conviction and you need to deal with it. Now compare that to what Paul says about condemnations, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is now, what's the word? What's the word? No. What does no mean? No. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means that if you've given your life to Jesus Christ and you're feeling condemned, oh, that was far weaker than it needed to be, it ain't from God. 
This is huge, guys, because I deal with people all the time in great churches where people are walking around living beneath their potential in Christ. They're not living up to what they could be or even should be. They're not enjoying the fulfilling life that Jesus promised. You know, they're saved, they're going to heaven, but they're not really getting everything out of life that God intended for them. And the reason that they're not and the reason that they're struggling is they're walking around feeling condemned. Hear me, guys, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're feeling condemned, it ain't from God. God loves you. You are his son and his daughter, and he made you on purpose with a purpose, and he wants you to fulfill that purpose. Every loving parent wants that for their children. That's what he wants for you. He never attacks your self-worth. He attacks your sin and gives you a solution, but he never attacks your self worth. So let's make sure we're clear, okay? Condemnation, uh, conviction I should say, is from God. It is specific and it has a solution, right? Condemnation is from the enemy of your soul and it's ambiguous. It's kind of hard to put your finger on and it leaves you, I don't know what to do now, with a feeling of worthlessness. Conviction points to the future. Condemnation keeps you stuck in the path, in the past. God never attacks your future. He wants to bring you out to fulfill everything He has for you. So, when I start feeling, I'm no good, I'm worthless, I'm less than useful, I'm not as much as other people, I don't care how deeply your heart thinks it's true. It ain't from God. Filter number six. Does it require faith? Does it require faith in God? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 is pretty straightforward. Without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. One thing I know about God is that whatever it is he's called you to do, whatever it is he wants you to do, it's going to require some faith in him to get there. Can I explain to you why that's true? Let me just very quickly, I see the clock and we're gonna get you out on time so the parking lot won't be full in the second service. I'm, I promise I'm gonna do that. Mitchell is in there biting his fingernails right now. We're gonna get there. Why did God make you? Why did he make you? For his glory, to have relationship. He made you for the purpose. He made Adam and Eve for fellowship. He made us in, our, in his image so that we could be in relationship with him. His whole purpose for your life is to be the recipient of his love and then give it back to him. That, that's his whole purpose for your life. So why does he get us to do stuff? Because he wants us to do something that we cannot do in our own power and our own strength because when we step out beyond our own strength, we end up calling on him more. Are you tracking? which brings us closer to relationship with Him. As long as you're operating within your own capacity, what do you need Him for? Right? So when He calls you to do something, like Peter swinging his leg over the side of the boat, or going back to school, or getting into a ministry you've never been in before, but you know uh, all the filters are working and this is something you ought to be doing, or to make some major step of faith in giving, Whatever it is that he's calling you to, and it requires that you say, oh, God, I can't do this. Who are you kidding? I'm just 
this person, I, what, you're calling me? Anytime he calls you to that, it is for the purpose of helping you, leading you to be dependent on him so that you will relate with him. God doesn't need you to do stuff. He spoke and the world came into existence. What does he need you to do? He calls us to do stuff so that we will be dependent on Him. So, if you have an idea to do something, and you think, I got this one. This is a piece of cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got enough experience. I can take care of that one. No big deal. Number seven, do I sense God's peace about it? 1 Corinthians 14, 33 from the King James, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. What that says to me is I feel pressured. If I feel pressured to make a life decision in a hurry, it ain't from God. How many of your parents, how many of you have kids? Do you love it when your kids are stressed out and overwhelmed and can't quite function? Please say no. <laughs> Please say no. <laughs> Some of them say, well, everything they put me through, I wouldn't mind if they had a little stress in their lives once in a while, <laughs> right? But no, every parent wants their kids to, to flourish, to grow, to become everything they can be, to mature, and they want them to do that in a place where they feel secure and loved and, uh, and, and able to accomplish the things that they're called to be. That's what God, our Heavenly Father, wants for us. And so He will call you and He will stretch you. I'm not saying that, that everything He calls you to is going to be easy. In fact, it's going to stretch you. It's going to be uh, uh, scary sometimes. I can only imagine how Peter felt when he swung his leg over the side of the boat to walk on water in response to Jesus' call. But nowhere in the Bible does it say, rush into a decision. In fact, 300 plus times it says, fear not. One of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, peace. Here's what I'm saying. Satan drives us compulsively. I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to do it. The Holy Spirit draws us gently. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Even when God calls you to do something outside of your comfort zone and he stretches you to a new place, when you say yes to God and it is him, there will be a peace that says God's got this. I don't know how it's going to work, but God's got this. i got to close, and all I'm trying to say to you is don't ever, please, I beg you, don't ever blindly follow your heart. It may work out 80% of the time, but it's that 20% that'll get you. I cannot guarantee you that every idea that you run through these seven filters is from God. There's always a faith factor in this thing, but I can promise you that if it doesn't agree with the Bible, it doesn't help you to become more like Christ. There are no trusted believers that can walk in agreement with you in it. If it is not consistent with God's purpose for your life, if it condemns you or brings you down, if it does not require faith 
And if, it, if saying yes does not bring peace, it ain't from God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us a mechanism to accomplish exactly what you told us to do, which was test everything to see if it's from you. And I pray just right now, in the quietness of this moment, that you would give us a, a solemn resolve to say, Lord, I'm not just going to blindly follow my heart. I'm going to test the ideas that come along. I'm going to make sure that it's you. Before I commit to it, before I go around saying, God told me this and God told me that, I'm going to, I'm going to check. And then once I've run it through these filters, here I come, Lord. I'm going to take a step of faith and be who you made me to be, accomplish what you called me to accomplish. We're praying that prayer this morning. Men and women, boys and girls, doesn't matter how old or young you are, we all have to process through this daily, hourly, minutely. Father, help me. Simple prayer, come on. Father, help me to test the ideas that come into my life according to you and your word. In Jesus' name, I keep your heads bowed for just a minute. I can't, can't wrap this without addressing, I've got to sense several of you in the room. Pastor Jim, I hear what you're saying, and it sounds logical, but I can't honestly say I've, I've ever heard from God. Are you telling me that I can hear from Him? Well, yeah, maybe not an audible voice, maybe not out loud. You hear in your ears, that's possible, but probably not. But yeah, you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So if you never hear from God, then maybe your starting place is to say, Jesus, I want you to be my shepherd. I want a relationship with you. So maybe just right now, in the quietness of this moment, you'll pray a prayer out loud or silently, I don't care, in your own words, but let it go something like this, Jesus, I need your direction. I make decisions every day, and I don't want to mess it up. My life and the lives of people I care about are impacted by my choices in life. I need your guidance. So forgive me for trying to work my way through life without it. Give me a fresh start today. And I will tune my ear to you. And I will test the ideas that come against the filters that you've given me. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said together, Amen. Amen.